Oh. Are we on? We are on. We are oh, on. That says we're off air. Well, then we're off air. <sighs> I believe we had a similar problem with this one thing before. Hey. Oh, good. Are we good? Yes, we are live. Apologies for anyone watching it. Did Hello and welcome to a new episode of you, you. what number are we? 112, my 112. friend. 112, you did tell me that first time, actually, because I'm a bungling amateur, I forgot. Yes. Episode 112 with me, Cynicism and Stilts, Tom Laird, and he's back from outer space. I just want him to find you here with this bearded look upon my face. If only it was outer space. If only it had been. It yeah. felt like outer space at times. And this character here. An owl. An owl. Why is it? Some people, most people are on the podcast. Yeah, most people have no idea. Uh, so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm waving an owl uh, at the camera. Uh, it's an owl pen, actually. Okay, it's an owl pen. Right, let's keep it here because it needs to keep watch upon us. And yeah, it needs to moderate. Moderate. The, the moder moderator owl has joined us. I hope you missed us. See, anyone new coming in to hear this intro is going to be like, I'm never watching this show nonsense, again. Nonsense. Okay, today we're going to discuss Yay, man. <laughs> Yemen, the country that was popularized by the sitcom Friends, in which one of the characters fell in love with a man who promptly had to leave to Yemen for work. And uh, no one had ever heard about Yemen before Friends was broadcast on TV. So the people of everyone... Yemen can thoroughly blame uh, Friends. Basically. For the fact that they're being bombed because uh, nobody no, knew no, what it was no before knew, them. No, no one knew what it was before it was uh, spoken of on Friends. So I hope so you that's people... probably where. Was it Obama who started it? Or did... I don't know. It's it's probably probably a a bit. He, I think he started, Obama started American involvement. Certainly, the American involvement in the Yemen precedes uh, Donald Trump. Trump. Donald yeah. Trump, yeah. as he's often unaffectionately titled by his critics. So this uh, Middle Eastern country uh, was um, basically there was a popular revolt against a fairly shabby government there. Um, and the House of Saud in Saudi Arabia, which was basically backed by Britain and America. Not to be confused by the House of Pain. How hip hop. Indeed. Well, they are, in fact, turning out to be a house of pain in many ways. Easily confused. Um, basically, Saudi have backed their uh, their man. Um, their man as opposed to Yemen. Yeah, opposed to Yemen. They are just enough man jokes. <laughs> and because uh, it's, it's quite funny, but it's, it's, it's not it's funny not, if you're not a Yemen. If you're a Yemen, it's not funny. But you know, if you want. Uh, We're just yeah. trying to lighten the room. Yeah, because if you want all the details uh, without all the cynicism and generally trying to pick apart words to make puns, then I recommend Kyle Anzalone's Foreign Policy Focused podcast. But right. this, uh, uh, we're kind of irreverent, and I've been told that we have a way of making otherwise dry and boring, I don't want to say boring subjects, tolerable. Yeah, again, well, this subject intolerable the fact if you are a Yemeni because uh, uh, America is backing uh, the Saudis and bombing the 
you know, the rebel factions in the country and the submission. And the, the, the person, the guy who is in power, backed by Saudi Arabia, has no popular support whatsoever. So is this basically what it is? Um, it's one of these things where Saudi Arabia is, wants to undermine the Yemeni's government that has more legitimacy to put in someone who's going to be sympathetic towards them. Basically, the, I've never heard of a Western country doing that. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. The fact of that is, that America actually has no policy on Yemen. Yeah, it's bizarre. What, no policy whatsoever. What, 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 it, what they're basically doing is backing Saudi policy. Now, what do they have to gain by doing that? Well, the Saudis are our. So I'm making air quotations now for those of you listening. Um, there are allies, um, so, to speak. so to speak, only because the Middle East is such a screw-up. Um, we perceive that the Saudis are our allies against, for example, Iran and uh, possibly Syria. Um, so, so we perceive them to be to be allies, okay. and they're. They, they, they buy, more importantly, they buy a shitload of hardware uh, from us in terms of military equipment. They buy jets, and also they tanks, sell us lots of oil. And they sell us lots of oil, and they probably do it at a knockdown price because we sell them arms. Um, I don't know if somebody can probably confirm that one or um, not. It's, you know, it's worthy of note for anyone who doesn't already know that Saudi Arabia is the country that's that funds the opening of all these Wahhabi schools all yep. over the Middle East, which, if you don't know, is the most radical, uh, do we use the word radical? Or fun, fun, people don't like these words, radical fundamentalists. But what I mean when I say that is the most militant type of Islam. They open schools all over the Middle East to indoctrinate people into adopting the most militant uh, anti-West, uh, you know, uh, the, the one where they, women aren't allowed to do this, gays should be thrown off buildings, etc., etc. That's all Wahhabism. So, uh, far from being our allies, they are funding the ideology which leads to terror attacks. Yeah, so the, the Wahhabi schools, um, I, I like their peas, mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, they're quite nice. Wahhabi peas. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't Trump who supported the UN Security Council resolution in 2015. It was uh, which sanctioned basically the Houthis. I think that's how it's pronounced. Who are the the, the, the rebel um, base there? And it was uh, it was President Obama who endorsed Hadi as a, is the is the name of the of Saudi Arabia's man that they you could call him their puppet in Yemen. Uh, and they, they backed it. Uh, it wasn't, and uh, it wasn't the, the current Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, who continually talked up uh, the, the Saudis as the as the Saudi Air Force bombed hospitals and schools in 2016. It was the then Secretary of State, John Kerry, hmm. uh, that man again. Uh, so it wasn't it wasn't really Trump uh, who got involved in this. Yeah, it's basically, basically the continuation of policy. Now, how much now has Trump? being compromised by what they call the deep state. I don't know if he's pawning, like, he's playing this game where he accepts various elements of deep state policy in order to be able to um, proceed with other things that um, he sees as favorable. 
there's all sorts of conspiracies and views about 5D chess and things like that, that Trump's actually some kind of mastermind who's got a secret plan. But do you know what? I just don't think Trump's that sophisticated uh, a thinker. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I don't believe the people who say, you know, he's completely incompetent and stuff like that. He's clearly not an incompetent person. Um, he's got his skills. I just don't think he's a deep uh, person. I, don't, I think he lacks the capability to 5D chess. I hear from people who um, know him, Larry King was saying that in the run-up to his election, despite the fact that, um, sorry, we're having some problems with the video camera here, I don't know why it is, because um, it shouldn't be. Because we're bumbling amateurs. Um, there we go, we're back. We're okay, back. apologies for anyone listening in, it's just, it was putting me off. Uh, Larry King was saying, despite the fact that Donald Trump knew that he was a Hillary Clinton phone, uh, voter, he was phoning him up regularly before in the run-up to his election, asking what he should do or what he should say to the media about this, that, this thing, that thing, or the other thing, uh, but then stopped phoning him after he got elected. I just don't get the impression, uh, Penn Jillette said, after, obviously after meeting him, Penn Jillette is a libertarian, after meeting him with his involvement with the, what's the, you're fired, The Apprentice, yeah. he said that, he, I mean, he voted for Hillary Clinton just because he thought she was the lesser of two evils after having met Donald Trump. So I don't really buy all this 5D chess stuff. I think that he's a businessman who uh, is used to deferring to other people who know more than him and talk confidently to help him with business decisions. And I think he's assumed that these generals that he surrounds himself with and, uh, neocons. and neocons know more than he does and he's deferring to them for his decision making. Yeah. Um, That's my perception. And, and the, the only one who's, uh, who's been extremely vocal, well, probably more but uh, prominently vocal about US involvement in this debacle has been Rand Paul. Oh, right, and yes. you know a little bit more about that one than I do. I think. Right? Well, go on. No, carry on. He he, but he basically had a Congress uh, debate the issue for a start. That was a for a kickoff. Yeah, and uh, what were the consequences of that? Is the Senate delivered? I'm going to quote here from Politico.com. The Senate delivered a stunning rebuke to the Trump administration on Wednesday, voting overwhelmingly to advance a measure yanking. Yeah, Yankee. U.S. support from Saudi-backed forces in Yemen. So in 63-37, in which 14 Republicans joined every Democrat, all of the Democrats have suddenly grown, suddenly. A, suddenly they've grown a spine, right? So they, um, the bipartisan... See, this is the thing, the Democrats are not against bombing people. No. They're just against presidents that they don't like bombing people. people. They've bombed a hell of a lot of people. Uh, I think almost every foreign conflict that the Americans have been involved in uh, has been a Democrat war. Well, uh, with, the with the exception of Afghanistan and Iraq under Bush. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there was a continuation of that under Clinton. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I, well, no, but yeah, I get the point. What the thing is, you, you know, you've got people like... Um, 
well, Kennedy, going back far enough, can take you know his involvement in Vietnam and um, or, uh, and so forth. For um, Clinton's often thought, I don't know, maybe he was the least worst in recent times, but um, that's well, still Clinton. pretty bad. He still continued those sanctions that killed hundreds of thousands of Iraqis at our um, yeah. at our uh, conservative estimate. He obviously bombed that munitions factory in Sudan. Sorry, it wasn't munitions, it was pharmaceuticals. And they fucking knew it was a pharmaceuticals plant. Yeah, um, he also bombed the shit out of Belgrade and killed a hell of a lot of civilians in Serbia uh, in coalition with uh, Tony Blair and the British. Um, and then it was Kosovo, yeah, of course, the Kosovo conflict. Yeah. I've talked about Kosovo a little bit on our um, episode called... Um, it was uh, war and freedom, um, but you know it was it was seen as the gold standard. Oh, we went in quickly. Of course, all the all the the lead up to it was a bunch of lies. There was yeah. nothing like as many people killed, and most of the people who were killed were killed afterwards. Yeah, to, so, to this day in Kosovo, not one of the mass graves that they reportedly uh, were there have, have been found. They found one grave in particular about 200 bodies, I reckon, and nobody, no international body, no group could determine uh, exactly how they were killed and who killed them and who they, who they even were. So um, that that conflict, why Britain and America got involved in that? Probably to, to, to try and mm. demonstrate to the Arab world that they mm. were honest brokers and could be trusted uh, and, and, and sacrificed uh, and this is Serb a, civilians to do it. It's an example of the US um, and, the, and the UK empowering radical Islam uh, as they are doing in Yemen. Absolutely. Right you, 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 could be, you could basically trace back uh, a lot of these groups like ISIL to yeah. Kosovo, and uh, you know, and uh, they were emboldened. It's really hard to say what the situation in the Middle East would be absent American, well, let's say Western intervention. Because what you basically did was say Iraq is not culturally one country; it's got three distinct cultures in there. Why would they turn that? And you know, they just went into the Middle East and drew up lines across different peoples. Was that the Kurds are like half? I mean, they should have their own country. Uh, are they partly in Turkey as well? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, much of that area, if not all, was under the old Ottoman Empire under the Turks. When the Turks were defeated in the First World War and they pulled out of there, the area was carved up. I mean, we encouraged the Arabs to revolt against the Turks, uh, and we hinted to them strongly that in return for that they would be given autonomy and they'd be given right. control of their own lands. However, um, before the war had even finished, the Sykes-Picot Agreement, uh, Mr. Sykes and Mr. Picot, both civil servants, one a French civil servant, the other one a British civil servant, basically met over dinner or lunch and drew arbitrary lines across yes. the map and who was going to get what. And, and you know, to, to allow those regions to be carved up more along culturally autonomous lines. Oh, you know, I know here we're meant to believe that multiculturalism is uh, the best thing ever. Yeah. I mean, the, the diversity middle, is wonderful the, the, because the middle it, because East it, demonstrates that it's 
Yeah. But it's otherwise. Yeah. Well, I mean, so... can you think of any other situation in which diversity is a good idea? I mean, a marriage to somebody completely different with nothing in common with you whatsoever, yeah. that's going to be a really successful marriage. Um, how about, uh, as, as, as uh, Tucker Carlson, or Tucker Carlson has pointed out, um, you know, in a military unit, if you want cohesion, you need people in that unit who are all of one mind, who all believe in the same thing and are committed to the same thing and are motivated towards the same thing. You know, diversity in that instance is not really a good thing. So why we would think it would work in any other instance is a, is a, is a bafflement. Yeah, particularly in this region where mil militancy is uh, often the dish of the day. You know, you could have you could have allowed the countries to be defined relatively along the geographic proximity of different cultural blocks, and then you wouldn't have this conflict. The the conspiratorial argument is, of course, well, you know, that was a deliberate strategy to create a lack of cohesion so that it could be dominated for yeah, divide and rule. Divide and rule. Well, if that is the case, I mean, it's definitely come to bite us back to a degree. I mean, just even aside from yeah, um, 9-11, the sheer amount of resources that have been levied fighting this war of terror yeah. uh, are ridiculous. I mean, that's like $4 trillion or $3 trillion, whatever it is. That's like money that, I don't know, we can't even think about it, not even to mention the loss of life. But, but people go, oh, it's... it's uh, um, unpalatable to talk about money when, when lives are at stake, but let's face it, money can save lives. Yeah. Um, and it can clearly destroy many, many lives as well as it's doing because Saudi Arabian money is funding uh, this war, and if you can even call it a war, uh, it's just a, a, a rout, uh, and civilians are suffering. The people of Yemen are suffering. And uh, I don't know how many times it takes us to get involved in something like this, whether it's Libya uh, or any other country, Afghanistan, before we start realizing, um, you know, our involvement only makes things worse. I can't yeah, think of another situation which has made it better. Yeah, maybe it's pretty controversial to say, but maybe Chile. Chile, okay. Uh, unless you're I think one that of the was two. Lucky. Yeah, unless you're yeah. one of the few cows. But yeah. the thing is, that can't be the basis for saying, oh, intervention is a good thing. Because it was just dumb luck that Pinochet happened to take some tips from um, Milton Friedman. It could have gone the other way. I mean, it could have been like the worst thing ever. Uh, the other controversial one is, uh, well, I don't think it was a success. I mean, Korea is just, it's. Um, no, it's it's they killed, into this they killed day. hundreds of thousands of Koreans. You just go, well, what if South Korea was like North Korea as well? Maybe that would be worse. Possibly. But, but, but it's impossible to say. Like, I don't think that just, if it was, it would just be through dumb luck. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, bottom line, um, I mean, it's, I, I, I guess it's not. I guess it's not for me to tell Even the Americans was, what to be doing with, with, with their money. However, uh, the, the fact of the matter is that Britain's got a tendency to be drawn in to yeah, these yeah. conflicts, and that involves British soldiers. It involves British taxpayers' money being spent uh, on foreign wars that do us no good whatsoever. In fact, they can arguably do us harm because it, it sets those people against us. 
yeah, and that's just another one that people probably want to well. challenge. Uh, is the, and the thing is, coming back to the discussion of whether it's ever been successful anywhere, it's like, even if it was, it's still fundamentally unlibertarian mm. to wage an intervention unless you're under threat. I mean, it's like, it's a cliche, but why should you be the policeman of the world? Who do you get to choose the government? Do you know what? It would be really great if we focused our energy on um, home and making this country awesome so that we could just be a shining example, a beacon to the world. Like, you yeah. can't go around to Arab countries saying you should adopt Fremont or Africa or anywhere in uh, South America where uh, the West has intervened for ill and go, you should be adopting free markets. You should be adopting uh, our way of life, uh, not, not going down the socialist route because look at the prosperity it's created for us. Well, you're at the same time you know, making the world safe for democracy. You make the world safe for democracy, so to speak, by showing that democracy can be successful, benevolent, not that I'm a huge fan of democracy, but you can substitute capitalism. Our countries need to be benign so that other people want to emulate. I mean, there was a time, say, in Iran where everyone was wearing, like, Western clothes and things like that. And, yeah. You know, they, were, they did want to emulate the West. So, you know, both on the personal level and on the political stage, you lead by example. I just want to add a little bit. It just says that, you know, Senator Rand Paul is usually an ally of Trump. He's, a, he's um, repeatedly pressed for a stronger response to the Saudis um, and said that there was a very good chance of the chamber advancing the resolution. So I don't think it's personal between Rand and Donald Trump. I'm glad that someone like Rand has Trump's ear, um, and hopefully he can influence things to the good. Yeah. So that's just done with the Yemen and the only, 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 only America, only America and Saudi Arabia were, we're done, done with Yemen. Yemen. It would be a lot better for those yes. people. So our thoughts go out to the people of Yemen. Yeah, I'm sorry. All yeah. Yemen and, uh, yes, you can you can barely think what it's like. For so many people, I mean, and I particularly enjoy life. their coffee as well. You've got one life, you know, and, and um, it's uh, it seems like it spans out for so long. It's hard to even picture hundreds of thousands of people and the, the suffering. Imagine you had to be one of them. Imagine you had to be hundreds of thousands of them. Um, Adam Smashers joined us again. One of our hey. big fans. He's just oh, um, I laddies. I think he's pleased that we're back. He just mentioned Penn Jillette voted for Hillary. Into the trash he goes. Well, yeah. justify uh, to yeah. us why it would have been any better. That's, that's Penn Gillette with a J, by the way. Not the razor. Well, I particularly look like I might be in need of one. Okay. okay. Wasn't science people English French? Yeah, we did say, that's, that's what I said, wasn't it? I did say it was English and French, or British and French. Right. So, so the, the, do you so have you, another topic? That's I do have another topic, but uh, my, oh, another topic. Uh, my, yeah, no, we're, we're just dishing them out today. Uh, however, my uh, tablet has just crashed. We're having no end of problems with the uh, technology today. So I was going to give you the left. Yeah. What? Yeah. You, you could find it. You, you give just, me the left. Yeah, just, just type in the left case, uh, left wing case for Brexit. 
I saw and, the Lex, and Lex, New Statesman, Lex, I think, is probably the one. Lex, I saw the Lex documentary. Lex, basically, Lex is, uh, we have a Brexit, that's the British exit from the European Union, and it's always seen as primarily, at least, in fact, sometimes even exclusively, if you could listen to deliberately. The, yeah, if you could listen to the press in the UK, you would think that uh, Brexit was an exclusively right-wing concept, you know, uh, with, as they call them, little Englanders, you know, these uh, gamins, as they're also called, you know, these middle-aged, angry white men who just want to kick foreigners out of the country. That's the stereotype uh, of, your, of your Brexit voter. However, there's a sizable uh, amount of uh, leftists who wish to leave the EU, and no less than George Galloway. Yes, uh, he's is, one. Is a, is a big support. I'm not a fan of, of George Galloway. Well, this is the thing, you know, that on, the, on, on the Brexit side, um, or if you're George Galloway, the Lexit side of things, there are, you know, there's a wide diversity of political views. You couldn't get, you know, sometimes you couldn't get two of them in the same room together without having a fight. You know, they cannot stand each other, but what they agree on is that the European Union is uh, largely I, an unelected, undemocratic behemoth. I just don't get it. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, I'm slight, I'm, well, to be honest, I've not, I've been a libertarian for 10 years, so that's like most of my adult life now. Uh, but when I was like, the left was all about being anti-establishment and stuff like that when I was on the left. And it's like, you can't fucking get much more establishment than the EU. Like, when did they all become a bunch of fucking bootleggers? I mean, oh, like even the, you know, I even remember New Age, like spiritually people who are like, yeah, we're anarchists, man, and like just, just want, just, just like the system, man. That the, uh, they were against the system, and yeah. now all but they, were, these, they weren't against the system. Yeah, and now all these, money though, all these new, uh, all these uh, new age spiritual hippies who just wanted to go and live on a campsite or something like that are all are all like, oh, I can't believe we're leaving the EU. What you mean, one of the most entrenched? Political structure is—it's like yeah. it's crazy. You only, you only have, logic. Yeah. you only have to look at the way that uh, the EU has treated Greece and Italy. Now, these are uh, countries, especially Greece, with a left-wing government, and the EU has basically crushed them. You know, in, in, in every instance where a European country that's a member of, of this uh, club um, makes a democratic decision that is not to the EU's taste. They do everything in their considerable power to alter it uh, or defeat it. Yeah, they basically frustrate the switch uh, with Greece, which is they force certain policies down its throat, which fucked up the economy even worse than it was fucked. And then they left them. They said, well, you screwed it up and you're just going to have to be left to sort it out when it was actually, you know, centrally planned, so to speak. And here's the thing, I mean, that's not to say that some of the things they might have been doing were not right. I mean, austerity was one of the things that the EU imposed on Greece. Um, now, after having bailed out Greece with other, period, other European countries' money, it's not unreasonable to ask Greece to do that. However, the <laughs> The, the, the fact of the matter is that was not in keeping with what the people of Greece wanted to do. So it would be better just not to bail them out 
in, in, in the first place. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there, there is a left wing, and the reason, part of the reason we're talking about this is uh, you may be aware that uh, Her Majesty, Her Majesty, uh, Teresa, yeah, Mother, Mother fucking Teresa. Uh, Mother may I? <laughs> Mother <laughs> may I? Well, Mother May I is actually a, quite an appropriate term because uh, um, there was a vote of no confidence in her. Let's back, up. Let's, no let's, 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 let's back up a little bit here. She's not... The, she's, the, 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 the Brexit was triggered because uh, the Conservative Party, under pressure from a party called UKIP in the UK, United Kingdom Independence Party, who were campaigning broadly and widely for... Uh, you know, to leave the European Union were gaining traction and they were eating into Conservative votes. So in order to get Conservative voters back on side, David Cameron promised in his manifesto that we would have a vote on whether or not mm -hmm. to leave the European Union. So, first of all, David Cameron was voted into power. So that's uh, a vote for that vote, right? So we just, people put David Cameron in power knowing that we would get a vote on Brexit. So that's one vote for it. And you then, can't tell uh, like um, the people who were against Brexit, oh guys, you're, you're clearly a bunch of Tories because you voted against Brexit like David Cameron, yeah. right? <laughs> nah. So anyway, true to his word, because he, I think he honestly believed that the vote would not go the way it does. I don't think anybody did. I voted to leave, and I didn't think we were going to win it. Um, however, to, we were shocked and stunned to wake up uh, the next day after the vote, find out that, we, that, holy shit, we actually won. Now, the first thing that was going to happen, is I thought was going to happen, was uh, I thought, well, they're going to make make us do what Ireland and uh, you know Portugal done, i.e. they're going to make us vote again until they may do that yet. Uh, they're going to make us vote again until we, they get the answer, you know, the right answer. No, wrong, that's not the answer we're looking for, do it again. Um, however, they stuck with it, decided after much uh, procrastination and votes and uh, going to the high, through the High Court, that they were going to trigger Article uh, 51, I believe, Article 50, and they were going to go ahead and withdraw from the EU and start the process. Now, that was about two years ago. So the British government has two years to actually implement this. David Cameron then abdicated his responsibility, threw his toys out the pram, went like a petting child and said, OK, I'm out of here, guys, this boat's not going the way I want it. And he left the mess for somebody else to clear up. Theresa May takes over. She's now, been, she this, this, is, well, this is a woman who's, who made the statement, in order to uh, to achieve Brexit, you have to believe in Brexit. Mm. She didn't believe in Brexit, so she hasn't. She was always against it. So we sent a person, we sent a Prime Minister to the European Union to negotiate a Brexit who didn't believe in it in the first place. And now two years later, it turns out we could be about to make a deal on the EU that will leave us in a worse position than when we first started. And that obviously is not acceptable and was not acceptable to a large swathe of Conservative voters um, who wanted to leave the EU. So they've had, yesterday, they had a vote of no confidence and. the uh, 
Theresa May. The vote went her way, but only just. In other words, a, a majority of MPs uh, voted uh, to, to give her a vote of confidence. But once you take those MPs out of the picture who are on her direct payroll, ministers, etc., it's not, it's a very slim majority and her position is basically untenable. And if she had any integrity, she would go to the Queen and resign her, her, her position. So what should libertarians think about uh, Theresa May, despite, um, n not in light of Brexit, but uh, in, on other issues in general? What should libertarians believe? What should she's, be the libertarian position? On even you know, even uh, taking Brexit out of the picture. Even taking uh, Brexit She's extremely out of the illiberal. Uh, she she is pressurising companies. Well, I mean, like they need any pressure to start with, but uh, she's pressurising companies like Twitter and like Facebook to become even more censorious. Right. She has stated publicly that the internet itself needs to be controlled. And so what was her uh, uh, her previous post before she was the Prime Minister? The home she was Home Secretary at one and time. And even yeah. under that, in that role... Who's responsible for the police, for the courts, for uh, civil... Um, Civil order. Even in that role, she was extremely civil. Um, she was uncivil libertarian. You know, she was the um, let's go. Let's say going back to the eighties, yeah. the stereotype of a conservative who's more like sort of police state orientated, as opposed to at the time, yeah. the you know the left was meant to be against detention without trial. You know, yeah, these, uh, these she's trying to reintroduce uh, the uh, identity cards. Um, um, there's all sorts. I mean, if you if you if you uh, pull up, you know, Theresa May's. Track record. If you you know, don't Google it, duck duck go it, uh, uh, and find her track record. You'll find that she's pretty shabby. So the reason why I say that is because there's a perception that if someone is like not on the left, then they're more on our side or something like that. Yeah, well that's that's so, another so perception. That's the reason why. I, yeah, that's the reason why I brought it up to ask you because it's not like the Conservative Party or the lesser of two evils. Or anything like that in this country. It's just well, no. all of the parties are going down the highway. Yeah, I mean, uh, even even if you look so at somebody who I have both I economically and in, in other. Yeah, if you look at somebody who I have a degree of a high degree of admiration for, would be Margaret Thatcher. Her track record on civil liberties was not good. No, either. it was very poor. And uh, her foreign policy wasn't essentially striking either. No. And you could argue that any sort of, most of the actual free market reforms and things that she did were in her first term, and after that she wasn't even that much of a, a free, free marketeer. Well, she blinked, and she was under extreme pressure from rebellious groups within her own party who, you know, who didn't like this free market route that she was going down. You know, and that, again, this is one of the inherent problems with, with democracy itself. Um, but back to the, the left-wing case, uh, for have you pulled that up? Yes. The left wing case for it is there, and there is a sizable group of people. It's called Lexit, but they don't tend to get a voice. Mm. Um, they brought George Galloway on a, the Daily Politics in the UK. Uh, you can look at, you can check that interview out on YouTube. They brought George Galloway on to discuss the referendum and discuss it, 
And all they wanted to do was talk about George Galloway and his relationship with people on the other side of the spectrum who he didn't get on with. You know, to, to drive this wedge uh, between people who both, you know, from both sides of the divide who agreed the European Union was a bad thing. And I've even heard some leftists say, well, well, you know, I voted for to remain, but I did it with, you know, holding my nose, while holding my nose, like, you know, okay. the idea that I don't really like the EU, but I voted to remain. <laughs> Why? You know, you can't get a straight answer out of these people. It's I very damn, I've, I've apart to... from the fact that you can jump about from country to country without a passport, I'm yet to... Hold on, hold on a second, though. Have you, have, Why I, really? I've never been able to go anywhere in the EU without a passport. No, you just need another form of ID to fly. You don't actually need a passport. You do need a uh, form of ID. I dare you to try it. Okay. I well, dare you to try it, right. Um, so people, I don't know, people just have the idea that you're some kind of cosmopolitan and it's a great thing. Well, yeah, you're you know, righteous and virtuous and yeah. you're, you're uh, yeah. And you're parochial and racist if you don't want the EU and that's kind of like... Oh, really? Oh, how parochial. No, yeah. I'm not British, I'm European. Oh, you little Europer, how parochial are you? Yeah. I'm a citizen of the world. In fact, I'm a citizen of the galaxy, you know? Um, so you basically you believe in freedom of movement and free trade between white Europeans. And that makes you some sort of cosmopolitan, right. you know. Uh, give me a break. I don't really understand that you can't get, you can't seem to get much of a straight answer of what they love so much about the EU, no, other can't. than the London's burning, the world's going to fall down if we leave. Well, well, here's the thing. I'll tell you, the, out of the various answers I've got, it all seems to be self-interest, which is fine. You know, we're libertarians, you know, you're rational self-interest. But these are people who always go on about the collective and the greater good. Yet every time I speak to somebody who voted Remain, it's always for selfish personal reasons. Oh, I have a business. Yeah, um, oh, I've got a flat, I've got a house in the Dordogne. As you a know, friend of mine yeah. put it, more hot people, it just means more hot people in Britain. She clearly prefers... Uh, People from other countries to... I don't know. Have you seen a lot of the Spanish women that come to the UK? Uh, I'm convinced that there's some sort of uh, unofficial policy or even an official policy in Spain to stop good-looking women leaving the country uh, and send us all their angry harridans. Um, <laughs> controversial. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, if you are a hot-looking Spanish but chick listening to this, I like... don't mean you, clearly. What I don't like about the way that Brexit is portrayed in the media is they keep on, on and on and on about this idea that, oh, the people who voted for Brexit were lied to. Like, um, if, if they'd known the facts, they wouldn't have voted yes. On and on and on. As if the fucking people who voted no weren't lied to as well and told a whole load of bullshit. But it is the official line. You keep on hearing it yeah. over and over and over again. The only reason people voted yes is because they were naive and they'd okay. like to change their vote now. Well, well, well let's, let's talk about an established fact then in connection with that. Ted Heath, the Conservative Prime Minister who took Britain into the European Union, lied through his teeth to the British people about what the EU was. In the full knowledge, and this is demonstrable, this is on record, okay? In the full knowledge 
of everything that the EU was about and everything that it would become, Ted Heath told the British people a lie. He told us that it was purely a common market and that it was about uh, trade. That's how it started. That was a lie and he knew it when he was doing it because he knew the British people would not buy the EU or the, or the European Economic Community, mm -hmm. as it was as called it was. at the time. I mean, even the name was a lie, yeah. okay? Uh, he knew that the British people would not buy it if he didn't sell them that it was just a common market. And uh, But he knew, he demonstrably knew, it's on record that he knew exactly what he was doing, and he lied. So you want to talk about the lies? That was a lie that got us into it in the first place. So we shouldn't even have to vote to leave. The very fact that Edward Heath lied to us should nullify that vote in the first place. Right. As, are we done with the EU? Well, something we didn't really touch much in the, the left wing case, but there is, there is the, one because I lost the left wing case. The left wing case is basically well, you could argue that it's a, a neoliberal, uh, neoliberal, yeah, neoliberal anti-democratic. Yeah, well, neoliberal means see, I, it certainly has a nest of crony yeah, capitalism. I don't mind the term neoliberal. I just wish that if they were going to call what we have now neoliberal, they would stop calling what we have now capitalism. Like, yeah. can we not just call like what we have now, neoliberalism and capitalism would be like laissez-faire. That yeah. capitalism would be something like what we want. Yeah. And then, then it would be a useful term. But yeah. the fact that they both call it neoliberalism and capitalism and late stage capitalism and really existing capitalism. And... Shite capitalism. Uh, yeah. Not capitalism at all, capitalism. Well, I wish, they, I wish they'd called it that. I mean, even Noam <laughs> Chomsky said in one of his videos, you could have, you could make a legitimate case that what we have right now is not capitalism. Yeah. I appreciate him saying that. Yeah. So, um, I mean... Do you want to comment on any of these things in the article? Uh, I can't read it because you've gone too fast. Um, but go ahead. I, 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 as I said, because I'm a bungling incompetent, uh, my, my tablet has crashed and all the information I had on it has gone out the window. Um, but, yeah, it's it's... A liberal. I mean, if you just even look at what the the uh, the EU's um, policy on free speech is, uh, basically the European Union's constitution says that you're entitled to free speech unless it's been ruled illegal. Yeah, pretty much all of the so-called rights that the EU give us. Yeah, there's are a subsection. Yeah. You've got this right unless you've got yeah. this right unless. So it's, it's basically all of the rights are basically saying you don't have the rights. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, some of the things that the, the left dislike about the EU um, are things that maybe libertarians and capitalists would say, well, we don't have a problem with that, but technically we just have a problem with a centralised power doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not the point. The point is there is a left case to be made for Brexit. George Galloway makes it quite eloquently. I'm not a fan of the man, but he does. And We're by the way, not a fan of him getting the Senate vote for in 2005. Do you know what? I just dislike so the man so intensely, it's hard for me to get. Yeah, I, I immediately on the side of anybody who who is you know who's against him. Almost, you know, I, I can't stand the man. But anyway, I've got time for him. Maybe I've, maybe I've got half Sometimes. a second um, just before he gets thrown out of the helicopter <laughs> um, <laughs> from a great height on the concrete head first.
However, uh, and talking about other candidates for, for that helicopter trip, Jeremy Corbyn. All right. Uh, ironically, if you look at his track record, he was also he was always historically um, anti anti European Union, and now suddenly, for opportunist reasons, he's uh, he's making all sorts of. Uh, Did he not have to be in favour of it because he was in opposition? I think that's basically what's happened in order to garner uh, support. It seems that it seems they could have planned it the other way around, so the left was um, aligned and uh, being against, sorry, in favour of Brexit, and they could have got a conservative who would represent being in favour of Brexit, where the left were against it. Uh, but maybe I just think that it's kind of, I don't know, it's a bit conspiratorial, but I think it's kind of de deliberate to. Um, to fractionate the, I just I don't think Jeremy Corbyn's going to get anywhere near power because it's kind of like there's a sweet spot which is like slightly left of centre. There's there's like, and anything that isn't in this, anything that's too far left or a little bit too far right is not um, what's desirable as far as the system's concerned because he might actually redistribute stuff from the people that really give a shit. So basically... He, basically... Might not be a, he might not be um, a favourite of the elite, basically. Okay, so, so basically, you know, if you live in Britain, you're going to end up with the, the red Tories or blue Labour. Right. Yeah, that, that, that's basically what you're going to end up with, uh, and it's not going to please anybody. But the bottom line here is it looks like, you know, we've got, there's, there's, there's no time left unless they put in the backstop to this thing. And they've had two years. My policy, the libertarian policy, is no deal is the best deal. Uh, and that's the way we should have went into this negotiation from the start. And then we would have had two years in which to say, okay, let's assume we're going to have no deal. How do we implement that? How do we make that? How do we get that uh, the easiest way possible? How do we put the, the, the pieces in place in order to play that game, that, that end game? That's not what they've done. Uh, and, you know, I don't think it's hyper, hyperbole to compare Theresa May to uh, Neville Chamberlain at Munich. I mean, but at least Neville Chamberlain, uh, as uh, Liam uh, Hartness has pointed mm -hmm. out, at least Neville Chamberlain didn't even agree to pay Germany, uh, you know, fifty-nine billion pounds, you know, as an apology for 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 leaving, you know, as a divorce settlement. Um, it's a disgrace. Theresa May, you know, if I had any regard for her whatsoever, which I didn't, I, I would have lost it by now. The Tory MPs who voted to keep her where she was, I think you are. Spineless invert yeah. you have invertebrates but of the worst. It's a wonder you can sit any. up straight in the comments. I don't think we get any anyone be better, and that's the funny thing. But um, well, I mean, my money's on Dominic politics. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll go for him as as the best of a bad bunch. Uh, he's the former Brexit uh, secretary. He took over from Dave Davis. I think Dave Davis is a good man, but I think he's a bit passe. I think Dominic Rab is uh, young. He's very, very articulate, very astute, and uh, just your type. Very much my type, girl. Uh, no, um, but yeah, I think.
he, I think he's about four to one. And I was going to put a bet on, but he's only four to one, which says that the bookmakers think that he's a, he's a good choice as well. Um, but uh, it, it's one of these things, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're regarded as being the hot tip for being needed, you probably won't be uh, the leader. So, final story. Final story. Uh, what we've got, we've not done the cuckle doodle dude. They never even knew there was cuckle doodle dude. I thought you were going to lead up to it by describing someone and then spring it on them. No. No. Uh, the cuckle doodle dude for this. Tell us the circumstances because... first, then. No, no, no. no I have to is. tell you who it is first. Okay. The cuckle doodle dude. Uh, highly controversial for this week, month, and possibly for the, this year, uh, is none other. Anthony Sorcebo Samaroff. I was guessing. I was fucking guessing that it was going to be for me, me for yeah. some reason. Anthony Sorcebo Samaroff. Yeah. Uh, Can I we were we were out for a drink uh, um, a couple of months back after a Halloween a, after a Halloween party, and uh, Anthony had invited this young lady along, and uh, we went out to a, a, a local drinking establishment later. And we got in a heated debate with this young lady, and uh, she put up a robust feminist argument about some things. And uh, I obviously steamed in. And who comes riding to the rescue on his crusty shite steed? <laughs> Sir Sebaho here. Yeah, what's uh, Sir Lancelot. Yeah. Sir Lancelot. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I was trying to Lancelot. And uh, you tells me that I'm talking shite. Wait, actually, without actually like telling that. me what I was talking shite I thought about. I told you said you were talking shite afterwards. <laughs> I, I I would defend my honour. I did. You I, have no honour anymore. That's so. true. Uh, my my uh, memory of the conversation is probably sharper than yours. Okay. Even it's marginally less strong than you. Okay. So uh, I did that. actually disagree with her on several points as well, and uh, fought your corner. What under your breath? Fought, fought your corner. No, no. Well, the thing See, is, how can I put this politely? It looked like I may have been I'm blowing lying. blowing his date out of the water. I didn't think, No, I didn't think that. <laughs> uh, I was. Uh, I would say that I'm. First of all, I'm not. I don't believe that if you're trying to get with a girl that you should always agree with her, even that when she's being wrong, because I think they fucking hate that and they smell it. Know that everything is tactics. Or well, she's like being that. very wrong. Yeah. She was, uh, but I don't think that's not my, my recollection of it is that uh, I basically... Well, I, well she said women, 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 women have been oppressed now. No, well, no, I even, no, they haven't. I, I you said there was no talking shit. No, actually, I made the argument for why uh, history was pretty shite for men and the, the jobs that you would have had to do before women had the right to work were not really jobs that women would have wanted to do. Um, I, did, what did, you, was, did you pass this to me in a secret no, note under the desk? I did it I can't right remember. in front of you. Uh, it was the, the point that I uh, I think that I intervened on was when, when, you, started, when you started it. asking her how she knew that uh, being raped was worse than being assaulted. That was when I said that you were talking shite and then robustly tried to interrupt her every time she made the case for why being raped was worse than being assaulted. But how, how can you objectively how can establish you, how that? Can you obje well, there, well, how can you objectively establish that being stabbed in the face is worse than being stabbed in the chest? I, I, I can't. I would just say, I, I think 
But I can't. In fact, if, if you go through the chest and get the heart, okay. that's clearly going to be worse. It's going to kill you. I think most people would agree that being I mean, assaulted... I mean, if you stab you through the temple, you're probably going to die. Yeah, she said, and then he said, uh, you, you kept on saying, how do you know? How do you know that being, or, or the threat of, I, I can't even remember if it was the threat of being raped or the threat of being assaulted. And I think that the, va the vast majority of people would concede that, that either, either the act of being raped or the threat of being raped is more serious than the threat of being assaulted. And I did think you were the talking shite. How could you possibly think? Okay. I don't want to perpetuate this, but right. Why not? Why not? There are various levels of assault, right? If I want to yeah, see you know, the bait and bait switch. This is why I said you were talking shite, because you moved the goalpost from just being assaulted to uh, some gay model. This is why I said you were talking shit. Because you moved the goalpost from assault to some gay guy who was a model walking through the park being assaulted in such a way that he'd no longer be able to be a model. And I was like, okay, uh, moving the goalpost. But the thing is, that wasn't the problem. The problem was you wouldn't actually let Anne, or now everyone knows what, what well, her well, name then, is, I didn't expose in, this inter young lady. Inter inter Intervene yeah. in the conversation. You've <laughs> this woman flies in front of hundreds of people. Congratulations, Mr. Why does she need to be a slut to be going on a date with me? Okay, I think it's best we wind this, uh, no, wind no, this up. Let's hear, no, no, I, I insist, I insist. Let's hear the case for why we don't know that the threat of rape is more serious than... Uh, okay, hang on, is it? Well, well, no, because right, the, is, yeah, this, should be, this is becoming a bit levitous. That no, I like it. it, I like it. Let's <laughs> hear your case. Hang on, that's a serious subject, right? Okay. And, it's, and I don't think we should pursue it in a, in a vein of uh, hilarity. Right. So, well, but we can we can pursue Yemen in the vein of hilarity. <laughs> no, I don't think we were quite so hilarious about Yemen, right? Okay. So, okay. Anthony is it worth getting bombed or bombed? <laughs> probably getting bombed, I'd say. Probably getting bombed. Okay. But that goes beyond assault into grievous... Well, assault, no, 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 no. Assault is everything from the assault with a deadly weapon to like to, to be beaten up severely. That's <laughs> right. I mean, it was clearly wasn't talking about somebody who just walks up to somebody in a pub and just pokes them on the nose, you know, with a, with a finger, you know, that, that could be an assault. Okay, well, on Spitting this... In somebody could be an assault. Uh, on so. this particular... I, I agreed with you on the patriarchy is bullshit stuff, <laughs> but on this issue, I'm firmly with Anne. I will, I Rape will, is worse than assault. I will leave so this, with in, that, the, will leave this in the hands of our, our audience listening. as to whether you can or not tell us. And you can Mr. Sevahov, Samarov... But, but with me agreeing with Anne on this point, Anthony Samroff, you are our cock-a-doodle-doodle of the week. See you later. Bye-bye.